The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. like a woman with an attitude, okay? Put your hand on your hip and say, neighbor, it's getting hot in this place. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for Jesus and you may have your seat. It's very exciting to be here. Amen. I want to welcome everyone. I welcome all the wonderful faces, some of the faces I'm seeing in the crowd. I welcome everyone in this place. Amen. I think we'll have an opportunity to mention some names at the end of the service. Oh, but it's great to be here. The very last leg of the Kingsword International Women's Conference 2018. Glory be to Jesus. We started in Chicago. It was great. We went on to London. It snowballed to something greater. And then here we are in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, the guest minister we had in Chicago and in London, she really wanted to be here, but I didn't tell her on time. So she had committed herself to something else, but she sent her greetings. As we parted ways in London, she was like, wow, I really, really wish I was going with you. I said, bye, I'll send some blessings back to you. But really, um, that's just a joke, but um, it's been wonderful and we expect that knowing God, knowing God and the kind of God he is, we expect that this is going to be the greatest. Amen. So don't tell them I said that in Chicago or in London. Amen. Well, um, Pastor Onyida did a great job of um, introducing the topic here. Um, our theme for the conference for 2018 is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. And it says, take heed to yourself. That's the theme. But I'm going to go ahead and read um, that passage of scripture from um, four different translations. And then we will um, kind of go from there. Just a minute. Let me find where I wrote it down in all the different translations. Bear with me. I'm sorry. I need to go back a couple of, a few days. All right. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 in the New King James Version of the Bible says, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. The Passion Translation says, Give careful attention to your spiritual life and every cherished truth you teach. For leaving what you preach will then release even more abundant life inside you and to all those who listen to you. The message translation says, keep a firm grasp on both your character and your teaching. Don't be diverted. Just keep at it. Both you and those who hear you will experience salvation. And then the, I think the Amplified says, play Pay close attention to yourself. Concentrate, concentrate on your personal development and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. All to them. 
For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and those who hear you. So we see a common thread there. We see um, this theme expressed in different ways. Take heed, give careful attention to, keep a firm grasp, don't be diverted, place close attention to, and concentrate. And then the different expressions of yourself or different ways um, concentrating on yourself is expressed in the different translations. First of all, it says um, concentrate on yourself, um, concentrate or pay attention to your spiritual life. Uh, translation says pay attention to your character. Another one says pay attention to your personal development. Just like um, Pastor Onida said, at the beginning when she was um, speaking, that this um, theme could really go different ways because there's so much to it. We could talk about paying attention to yourself, to your spirit, to your soul, to your body. That in and of itself could give us a conference, amen. We could talk about paying attention to your relationships, the different relationships that are in your life, you know, familial relationship, church relationships, professional relationships, and that alone, with that alone, we could have a conference. We could talk about different things. We could talk about paying attention to your family, Oh my goodness, isn't there a lot to pay attention to? By the time you talk about the husband, and then you talk about the children, and then you talk about what else? You know, the children are different faces of life, and then maybe you talk about the dog, the cat, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So many things we could go, so many directions we could go with this theme, really. Um, but today, I want to talk about, I want to introduce this conference by talking about the process of paying attention, the process of taking heed. And then from there, we'll kind of talk about um, the Holy Spirit, and then we'll talk about some of the benefits and, and, and disadvantages of um, taking heed. Amen. Or not taking heed, the disadvantages of not taking heed. Okay? Does that sound like a good journey for tonight? All right, let's go ahead and bow down our heads in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for um, tonight. We thank you, God, for what you have done in our hearts already. We ask that you bless your word in this place. We ask that the word that flows forth will find a place in our heart and will flourish in us and cause our lives to flourish. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To talk about the process of taking heed. Um, paying attention, um, concentrating, beholding. That's another word that we could use um, for taking heed, beholding. And beholding not in the sense of a casual look. You know, just, oh, I saw something, or I looked very casually. But beholding in the sense of looking with intent and looking with purpose. That's a difference between um, look, um, you know, you're about to get into the car, or look, there's a truck coming down the road. Run. <laughs> Amen. Uh, those, are the, those carry two different um, senses of urgency. Uh, one is like, okay, get in the car, get in the car now, get in the car in the next five minutes, whatever, the car is still going to be there. The second one is like, you better get out of the way. The truck is coming now. Uh, the Bible, so over and over in the Bible, we see the word behold, and behold, you know, in different senses. For example, when the Lord tells the Israelites that, I set before you life and death, you know, 
it carries that sense of urgency. For instance, if I told somebody um, there are two ways to get to where? There are two ways to get to maybe Ibadan. And one way is very straight, very smooth, okay? And the other way, there's a big ditch right in the middle of the road. And that ditch is so big, it could swallow a car. Amen? You know, I can't tell that to you casually. Like, okay, by the way, because it's a matter of life and death. I mean, if that person does not behold, pay attention, in this case, um, not just beholding with the eyes, but beholding with the ears, paying attention with purpose and intent, it could mean life and death for them. So behold uh, could mean the difference between um, the life that God has for us and the life that is compromised. Paying attention could um, make, mean a difference um, between uh, a life that is just lived like any other person, every other person, or the life that God has for us. So there's a lot in that word, in that phrase, pay attention. Well, know that when God says pay attention, then he means to pay attention. It's one thing for a mother to say pay attention. Usually if a mother says pay attention, you usually want to listen to how they say it, right? Pay attention. Okay, probably still safe. Pay attention. Okay. You know? <laughs> you know, it's getting serious. With God, when God says pay attention, it's always serious. Amen? Because there are benefits to it and there are consequences to not doing so. But I want to talk about, I want to start by talking about the process of paying attention. And I'm going to start from the story of um, Moses. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Okay, I'm just waiting for my, for my iPad to kind of wake up. Okay. And I'll start reading from verse 1. I'll read through and then I'll talk about the scripture. Now Moses, Exodus 3 verse 1, now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And then we all know the story. God goes on to give him his life's assignment. In other words, that encounter made the difference between Moses remaining a shepherd um, of his father, not even his sheep. Amen. Right? What does it say? Yeah, not even his own. Moses could have spent his whole life just shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. 
So we know that this encounter made a difference between, between a Moses that we would have forgotten about in the back of the desert and a Moses that ended up being a deliverer of God's people. So let's see some things here. Let's pay attention to some things in this passage of scripture. So the Bible says Moses went, as I suppose he usually would, went in the morning, I guess that's when he would get up to take out the ship, and just went about his daily business, his daily job, and took the ship out and was Tending to them, okay, probably woke up that day thinking it was going to be a day just like any other day. Okay, so he's going and he's, you know, shepherding the sheep, doing what his business is, going about the cycle of life, amen, getting up, you know, you get up, you get dressed, you get in the car and go to work, amen. Or you get up, you get dressed, you get to into your car and go about your business. You go about your trading or whatever it is. So, I mean, that was Moses on this particular day. And then the Bible says Moses, as he went about doing what he would normally do, looked to the side and he saw something. Says, behold, he saw something, something that was quite unusual. He saw a bush that was burning but was not consumed. Wow, that was spectacular. And one would think that, I mean, for Moses, this could have been it. This could have been enough. You know, he looked, he saw the burning bush. And then he could have gone on. Amen? Wow. A bush that's burning and it's not being consumed. You know? He could have said, wow. Okay, I have work to do. I have sheep to shepherd. But what an interesting sight. And then gone on and continued feeding his sheep. Got home that day. Told his father-in-law. Um, you know, Papa, or Baba, or uh, uh, Padre, or whatever, Papa Jetro, imagine what I saw today. A bush that was burning but was not consumed. And his father-in-law could either have believed him or not. Could have been amazed. Moses could have spent the rest of his life talking about the fact that he saw this spectacular, spectacular thing happen. In fact, it could be passed down from generation to generation. His grandchildren, great-grandchildren could sit around the bonfire and say, guess what grandfather saw? He once saw a bush that was burning and was not consumed. Period. I would never have known why the bush was burning but was not consumed. I mean, there are so many folklores and so many tales and stories that we hear of phenomenal things, and we don't know why. Amen? Even in Yoruba stories, you know, Rumila did this, that, blah, 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 this happened, or God, everybody, every culture has it. So many strange things. And nobody knows why. You know, grandfather, grandfather saw a bush that was burning, and it wasn't consumed. Why? Oh, so, so, well, is there a reason for why? It was spectacular enough, wasn't it? But God had a reason why. But look at what Moses did. He saw this great sight. And the Bible lets us realize that there was actually an action, a decision on Moses' part. Paul says, and we can read um, Exodus chapter 3, verse 3, says, Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, 
why the bush does not burn. Moses made a decision. And that's, I'm going to sit around there a little bit for the rest of the, uh, kind of, the rest of my sermon will kind of revolve around this in explaining the process of, um, well, part of the rest of my sermon, of, of what it takes to actually take it and pay attention. But let us realize there was a part, uh, there was a responsibility on Moses' part to take a break, to say, ship, hang on a minute. After all, we've been, we've, been, we've been hanging together for what? So long. Hang on. Kids, hold on. Boss, hold it a minute. Life, take a pause. God made an impression. God flashed something in front of me. God waved a red flag or purple or green or whatever. God flickered something. I saw something just flicker, something that seemed to be God. I will now turn, he said. I will now turn to look closer at this great sight. The next verse says, and when God saw Moses' response, you see, we didn't know up until that time that God was waiting for something from Moses. We probably thought that that was God's greatest display. The greatest thing God was going to do was show us he could do something cute. Like set a tree on fire and it not get consumed. We didn't know that was God just setting things up. Moses did not know that was God just setting things up. But he was wise enough to say, let me take a pause and pay a little bit of attention here. What could be going on here that I don't understand? It took time for him to do that. It took him looking away from something for him to be able to do that. And then, God, the Bible says, when God saw, ha, what is God waiting on you to behold? Just hold on to that with your left hand. They say hold on to it with your left hand. Don't use it to eat. I'm coming back there. It says, when God saw that Moses responded the way God wanted him to respond, when God saw that Moses said, okay, you know, life is busy. People are, uh, people are pulling me. There's so much going on. There's so much out to do. There's so much, you know, um, that's involved in, this, uh, in the cycle of life. When Moses took that pause and said, I will now behold. He says, then God spoke. And God, what God spoke was not light at all. What God spoke changed Moses' life and destiny. It was to be an encounter with destiny, but it was an encounter did not, that did not start with God shouting from heaven, Moses, you will deliver my people. God could have done that. The Bible could have said, Moses walked into the bush and all of a sudden he heard a voice and then ran under a rock, amen. 
And then you could not escape this voice because this voice just kept booming and booming. You will deliver my people. <laughs> Amen. God could have started with that. But God started in a way that he initiated, Moses responded, and then God went on. Talking about the process of taking heed today. Someone says, well, you know, if I saw a burning bush, me too, I would stop. You know, if God would do something spectacular, of course I would stop. If God would shake my house, shake my bed, shake everything around me, burn something and eat not as long as it doesn't get consumed, amen. <laughs> if I would step out of my house and see my car burning but not consumed, as long as Lord, you don't consume it, amen. As long as when all the drama is over, I still have a car to drive, amen. If God will burn something up, I would listen. I would know I ought to be paying attention to something. But you know what? God does not agree with you. God doesn't agree with you that needs in this, in our time, it needs to be burning something up. Because imagine how many believers are on earth today. And if God felt he needed to do something spectacular for each and every believer, it will get to be quite messy. But God has done something even more supernatural. Well, don't let me say even more supernatural because they're both supernatural and I don't know how you weigh things in the, uh, in the supernatural scale. But even more profound than that, the Bible says in the book of Ezekiel, chapter... Ezekiel 36, 26. Not enthusiastic. Ezekiel. Okay. Ezekiel 26, 36, 26 says, it says, I will, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now Moses did not have the same thing we have. Moses was not um, privileged like we are privileged. The greatest prophet in the Old Testament was not privileged the way we are privileged. Why? Because God could not walk with them the way he can walk with us. They had a stony heart. When I talk about a stony heart, I'm talking about a heart that could not respond to God, a heart that God could not walk with easily, a heart that was not um, pliable. You know, so God had to do all these things on the outside, burn something up, you know, shake something, quake, send a wind, send a still voice, you know, and all these things on the outside, all the external things. Um, that we seem, sometimes we feel like they are greater and they are more, they shock our senses and they will be more effective. But the Bible says that we have a covenant that's better. It's a greater covenant. So anything and everything that God has gone, done for us and made available to us is better than what they had. So that if you think that having the experience that Moses had was great, I want you to know that the experiences we get to have are greater than that. 
And the reason that we're able to do so is, first of all, God did a reconstruction on the inside. It took away a heart that could not work with him. It took away a heart that we could not, he could not work with. It changed that first. It took that spirit, that whole dead spirit, made away with it and put a new spirit in there. And then he did something else. Uh, he moved in. Amen? He said, I wouldn't be out here, you know, just hanging around you. I'm going to move in. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 14, let's go there. John 14, I believe it's um, John 14, 17. Okay. He says the Spirit was talking about the Holy Spirit. Let's start from verse 15, John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you. Amen. When Jesus was with the disciples, the Holy Spirit was with them. But then he said something. And I mean, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit could do everything but be in them. He could be on them for service. He could be with them. He could be for them. But he could not be in them. So this is a very privileged statement for us. It says that, and will be in you. Amen. He's been with you. He's been with other people. But you have something even greater. God is going to move in. Amen? Um, the, for this, week, this weekend, at least today and tomorrow, I want to talk, I'm going to be talking about um, taking heed, first of all today, to the Holy Spirit. And tomorrow I'll talk about taking heed to the work of the Holy Spirit that's, working, that's in you. God moved in. And the fact that God moved in is great for us. It means that instead of just one encounter that Moses had in his lifetime, we can have several encounters. Amen? It means that instead of one encounter that this prophet here would have and that um, prophet there would have and that judge would have and all those pe these people would have in the Old Testament just because God could not dwell in them permanently. We can have encounters with God. We can have a walk with God. A walk with God can be a supernaturally natural thing with us. Um, we see the impact of an encounter with God in the life of Moses. We see that um, just one encounter with God transformed his life, sent his life on a different trajectory. We see an encounter with God turn him from a man who seemed like a failure. This was a guy that grew up in the palace, a guy with all the um, privileges, um, living um, in the house of the pharaoh, and then he becomes a murderer, and then a fugitive, and he's on the run. And now he's married, you know, he has a couple of kids, but he doesn't even have his own property. The sheep he's herding are not even his. So if you were to look at the life of Moses up until that point, it could be like, well, um, what a waste, you know. Um, oh, 
you know, the best you could say was that his life was average. And we see an encounter with God take his life from being average to being something that we are talking about thousands of years after. Now think about it that we are saying that same God who caused an encounter to change a man's life now lives in you so that you have not just one encounter, but you have encounters with him over and over and over again. I don't know about you, but I've had several encounters with God, and I'm sure you have as well. And I know that an encounter with God can take you from a place of hopelessness to a place where you embrace life with new vigor, with new excitement, and with new joy. I know that an encounter with God can take you from a place where financially you are destitute to a place where, I mean, God gives you an idea, God gives you an open door, God gives you an opportunity that makes such a change and it transform, brings a transformation to your life. I know an encounter with God can take you from a place where you think ministerially you don't even have anything new to offer. I mean, you feel so dry, you feel like God, you know. Everything I feel like I should do, everybody is doing it anyway, so what difference am I going to make? Or I'm so, you know, I don't feel like I have a new revelation, no new idea, no new nothing. Nothing great to contribute. I don't feel like my, um, my place in ministry is being respected or being appreciated. To take you from that place to a place where it gives you a significant place in its work for your life. So an encounter with God, it does a whole lot of things. Pastor um, Oida was saying that, you know, when she is, she hears God and prof she hears profound instructions from God when she's under the word. That's an encounter with God. And I'm sure those instructions is not just go home and cook nice beans for your husband. Amen. She's got that settled. Amen. If you are wondering what I'm talking about, you should have been at our retreat. Hello. Hallelujah. I mean, when God comes, I mean, sometimes God does tell us things like that, like you've not, you've not been nice to your family, go home and cook beans for your husband. That could be an encounter too, because maybe your family is starving, amen, and <laughs> you are not taking care of them. Yeah, God does give those kind of instructions too, and it's an encounter, it's an encounter that could save your marriage, amen. I tell God, go home and be nice. Like, Lord, I want a big word. Yeah, go home and be nice. <laughs> Amen. Like, Lord, no, seriously, I want a really life-transforming word. Yeah, go home and stop braving like a mad woman. <laughs> How many people know that's an encounter with God? Amen. <laughs> it's an encounter that could transform your whole life. Glory be to God. I said one time in Chicago, I said... Men in this place, you should be grateful to God. You don't have many kinds of drama. You should be grateful and bring your family to church. You don't know many kinds of drama God has helped you to avoid just by speaking to your wife in service. <laughs> On Saturday night, she went to bed thinking she would really give it to you after service. She said, let me just wait for the Sabbath to be over. Amen. I'll really... And then she's worshiping, and the Lord says, hello. <laughs> and I, Lord, no, not now. Mary, 
Mary, yes, Lord, that which thou thinkest. Hallelujah. So, that could be an encounter with God too. But, the same way there was a process to Moses heeding the voice of God or heeding, taking heed in that situation, many times we got caught the process short by not quite taking heed. God is making impressions on our heart. You know? What's an impression? An impression is that I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to take you to the ends of the earth and your voice is going to be heard all over. We take that impression and then we run with it. It's just the burning bush. You've not quite taken heed to hear everything God has to say. Oh, I heard God. What did he say? You'll be a great, you'll be a great person. You'll go to the nations. Okay, so what else did God say? Um, did he tell you the how? Did he tell you the who? Did he tell you the process? And then you see people running around with half-baked prophecies. And sometimes making a nuisance of themselves. Because they now start trying to open doors. They now try trying to push things open. I was, I was telling the ladies at the retreat that I once had somebody who lived in my house uh, with his wife. And then was going to start a ministry. And um, then he started lobbying certain people in the church, in our church. What audacity. Started, was it in my food? I started lobbying certain words. Lobbied the keyboardist, lobbied a few other. I'm starting a church. I'm starting a church. And at the end of the day, he goes to start a church. I mean, the people he lobbied came and told us, amen. That's how we got to know. He started a church and called it Holy Fame Church. Those are the kind of things that come out of half-baked. We heard God, you, you God made an impression, but you didn't quite see to take heed. Maybe God said, you will start something, you will become famous, and the thing shall be called only church of God in Christ Jesus or whatever. You saw fame, you saw only and decided only fame. I mean, there are some things that you know right from the name that, no, 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 this didn't quite cook quite right. <laughs> like my husband likes to say, he says God cooks his stuff. He doesn't microwave it. But we want to microwave it. We want to get up with the first word. Hey, 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 I heard something, I heard something, I heard something. Like for a four-year-old child. Like, Tommy, sit down. Let's finish the lesson. <laughs> Amen. How many little Tommies running around because they didn't quite finish the lesson? There's a process to taking heed. And we can see it in the life of Moses. God makes an impression. An impression could be an encounter with somebody. Somebody said something and it's something went off in you. 
that I ought to, oh, there's something here. There's something here. There's something here. Most times, the impressions of God are on the inside of us through the Holy Spirit. That's why we have the Holy Spirit inside. Most times. Most times. I mean, they do come through encounters with people, through speaking with people. But oftentimes, uh, to finish the process, we need to go listen. Amen? But the burning bush that's not consumed seems like the complete picture, doesn't it? It seems like great enough. It seems like, wow, I mean, come on here, God is speaking. Come on here. I mean, who can deny it? God is speaking. Yeah, God is doing something. Yes. God is the one in the burning bush that's not being consumed. Yes. God was in that prophecy. Yes. God told you to start a business. Yes. But that was just the beginning. It was just God making an impression. The Bible says Moses did his own part. He said, I will now turn. And you know, sometimes we need to go, we need to say, I will now turn. That word I heard at Supernatural. I know Reverend came to me and he laid down to me and I fell down, he laid down to me and I fell down, he laid down to me. I mean, I fell down five times. to be followed up with, I will now turn. Lord, why five times on the floor? Am I the only one? (laughs) Okay. Sometimes I will now turn is, I'm going to dedicate three days to fasting and prayer on that word. I mean, sometimes I will now turn. It may not, it depends, because God is constantly making impression. I will now turn, may just be, I'm going to take five minutes and just be quiet with this. It depends. But there are some things, some burning bushes that you take a little more time. Amen? You sit with it. You look at it from this angle. Yeah, it's burning. Look at it from that angle. Yeah, it's burning. Look at it from this angle. Yeah, it's burning. Yeah, it's burning quite all right. Uh, you sit with it and sit with it and sit with it until you understand not just the what, but the how, the when, the who, the who not. Amen? <laughs> you know, there are some who's that are who not that will kill the thought that you saw a burning bush. You saw what? Are you sure? By the time they convince you you, 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 you convince yourself that it was a chemical reaction that somehow you didn't quite get. Because there was a who not that you went to. That's a process to taking heed. Following through with the process of taking heed brings God's instructions, his impressions, his workings in our lives, um, complete circle, brings it full circle. So that the beautiful thing that God wants to create is created. Amen? You know, when we don't um, go through um, taking heed, the process of taking heed, as I said before, uh, number one, we don't, you, we don't hear it all. We get carried away by the impression, and we don't hear the complete picture, you know. You saw a vision, a dream, and you saw your passport. 
and now you're applying to the American visa, uh, to the American embassy. Could it be? Or maybe not. It could be other countries. It could be other places. It could be the American embassy too. But what are you supposed to go and do there? I, well, I can connect the dots myself. You know, I, what? Give me something, you know. I make clothes, or I make hair. I'm, uh, this is what I do. I saw a passport. This must be it. So I go and I keep going to the American embassy or the whatever other country. And they keep turning me down. Keep turning. But after all, I saw, I saw myself, I saw a passport. I saw myself getting on a, on a plane. Okay? But did you wait without words to say, Lord, what? Amen. I will now turn the part of personal responsibility in taking heed to what God is saying, to the impressions God is making. If we don't, if we hear just in part, or if we just leave it at the impression and we don't hear, if we don't hear at all what he has to say, we can get carried away just by the impression that God is making. And God is always going to be making impressions on our heart. The Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So it's normal. It's normal to be getting, oh, I sense something. Oh, I feel something. Oh, I, you know, um, I was in prayer and I saw something. Yeah, it's normal. It's part of being a child of God. If I had, I mean, I have two children. If I had a child that I never spoke to, never touched, never looked at, never smiled at, never gave instructions, never even, if I had a child that I just pretended was not there, that child, I mean, would need to go and investigate if I really gave birth to them. I have to ask a few questions. Is that my mother or should I look for another? <laughs> it's, you have a heavenly father who loves you so much. So you are always going to be getting impressions from him. You are always going to be feeling something in prayer. You feel something in worship. Amen? For different aspects of your life. It could be marriage. It could be... You know, many years ago, <laughs> when I was in college in Oklahoma, there was this lady. Um, she had, she was, her marriage wasn't going very well. I mean, she was married. She's a white woman married to a black woman, they had a few, a black man, and they had a few kids. You have to watch your language now, you know. It used to be that when you said a white woman married to a black woman, people would know you made a mistake now, you know. You're like, okay, go on. <laughs> a white woman married to a black man, and I would pray with her sometimes about her marriage and everything. <laughs> so one day she comes and she says, um, I was praying and I feel the Lord God told me about freedom. It says something. Maybe even God showed that the Israelites or whatever. And she went off with that word freedom. And next thing she's out of her marriage. You know, she didn't listen to me. She didn't wait for me to say, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Let's investigate that word freedom a little bit more. You know? 
That's what happens when people get in prayer. Maybe God said the word freedom, but who knows? Maybe he said financial freedom. Start doing certain things to make yourself financial free, financially free, or freedom in your emotions. You don't have to be tied to that guy in your emotions like he defines your world. Until he stops being naughty, find your definition in me. That's a kind of freedom. To be freedom in so many things. But somebody, it happens. Amen. I've been married, I've been a pastor for a while. Somebody will get out of their marriage because God showed them the word freedom. I mean, not always literally in that sense. But they get something, feel something, have certain impressions. Say, yes. <laughs> God spoke. Yes, God made an impression. Why don't you turn a while and hear what he's really saying? Amen. So, when we don't complete the process, we either don't hear at all and we get carried away by the impression. When we don't complete the process, we may hear fragments, but not the whole part. It's dangerous to hear fragments. <laughs> it's very dangerous to hear fragments. If you hear fragments, you may not hear the but after the first phrase. When you are going on that bridge, you can speed at um, 15 miles an hour, but... Oh, but I just heard I can speed 15 miles an hour. But maybe the but is... But the bridge kind of ends at a certain point, so there's a turning before... Go off at the turning. I didn't hear but and everything else. So I'm speeding down that bridge at 50 miles an hour. And then I go off the bridge. And when the fellow gets to heaven, he's like, Lord, you told me to speed on that bridge at 50 miles an hour. He's like, did you hear everything I said? Amen. Glory be to God. When you get to church today, your future spouse is going to be there. He's going to look tall, dark, and handsome. But the relationship is not supposed to start now. For I, the Lord, I'm working on him. And if you get into his life now, he's going to make a wreck out of your life. So wait for me to complete my job. But when you heard dark, tall, and handsome, oh my goodness, you started to dance. Oh, hallelujah. Put on your best dress. Put on that makeup. It was on point. Oh, yes. Make sure you slayed with your hair. And then you saw Mr. Tall, Dark, and Handsome. And six months later, made a complete wreck. Because we heard in part, heard a fragment, did not hear everything. There's a part of taking heed. I will now turn for as long as it takes to hear the complete sentence. Because fragments are dangerous. You will start a business. But be patient with it. Don't invest $10 million on the business at the onset. Get mentors, get people I'll bring into your life and at the right time, you know, I'll tell you what to invest by time. But I got excited at the, at the thought of the business. And I had $10 million, you know, uh, um, 10 million naira uh, to spare. Business, I heard business. 
I have money, makes logical sense, connect the dots. <laughs> Don't connect the dots by yourself. Let God connect. Because when you connect the dots, you go the simplest route. Straight. Point A, point B, connect the dots. Straight. Bring a ruler. Let me just draw it. But sometimes God may go to parts that don't make sense to get to point B. How will you know? You can know. You can. How? By waiting with the process. Taking heed. Completing the process of taking heed. Amen? All right, let me, let me round up, I think. Um, getting or I've gotten to the end of my time. Number three, disadvantage of not completing the process is you get confused by what you hear because you hear the what but not the how. Amen? When we don't complete the process, we may hear the what. We may hear, okay, it's time for you to move. It's time for you to move. In fact, God may even tell you it's time to, for you to move to so, 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 and so country. And then you don't listen for the how. There are so many people. Hmm. They are listening to the what. Maybe. Maybe it's even the what. Maybe it's not. But they are not listening to the how. I was hearing a man of God say on Instagram, the other day that, you know, he had a guy who got a visa to the U.S., six-month visa, and he sells everything he has. Everything. Packs up his whole family on a six-month visa. Everything. And the guy has a great job. And then goes to a place where Trump is catching everybody. Amen. Glory be to God. I mean, I didn't say Trump caught him. I'm just saying Trump is catching a lot of people. Glory be to Jesus. Maybe moving is a what. But that does not sound like the how. Amen. So, when we don't complete the process of taking heed, we may get confused. Because God told me, I know God told me, but now I'm in the middle of it and I'm confused. But God is not an author of confusion. How many people know that? So if we are confused, you know, some people regret hearing certain things from God because it seems like it was that word they heard that put them in this confusion they're in. But it's not that word. It's not completing the process. You know, God is detailed. Um, yes, there's a part where we don't hear every detail that he has to say, but there's a level enough. I mean, look at how he was with Moses. It was a whole conversation. Moses, in fact, Moses didn't stop with, you'll deliver my people, and he gets up and he goes. Moses had a complete conversation with God. He didn't go and just show up in front of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is like, what are you doing here? I came to deliver God's people. God told me I'm delivered. By the time you finish, Pharaoh would have been, get this guy out of here. <laughs> he said, 
It all got up to the point. I have an, a handicap. How do we handle that? Who will I tell Pharaoh sent me? What, Lord? How, Lord? When, Lord? Who, Lord? And God didn't say, shut up there. Shut up. I'm talking, you are talking. <laughs> I beg, come on, go, go. <laughs> okay, maybe I do. What should I have said? Come on, go. No, it's not come on, go. Please correct me. What should I have said? Come on. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, God did not reprimand him for sitting down a little while to get it clearer. People have made mistakes. They've made mistakes in ministry. They've made mistakes in business. They've made mistakes in marital life because we heard the what, or we heard something, we saw something, we felt something, or we heard a phrase, but we didn't take the time to complete the process of taking heed. Could it take time? Yes. But it's time that will save us a lot of pain in the future. It's time that will save us a lot of, um, you know, yeah, save us from being burned, save us from being embarrassed. But you know what? With God, there's always um, cause correction. Amen? So we may be at different places in this place tonight. We may be at a place where we've not heard anything, okay? So you know how to hear and to stay with it. We may be at a place where we've heard and we've run um, into certain places and problems and whatever. There's course correction with God. It's still the same process of taking it. Taking it to how God will correct your course from where you are to where you were meant to be. I mean, we've used um, this analogy so many times that God is like a GPS system. God is like ways. When ways gets you somewhere, and you realize that it doesn't even wait really uh, for you to realize. Once you've missed it, way starts recalculating. Okay, okay. So you know that if you miss the way the first time because ways was talking and you were talking to your friend or you were singing loud or whatever, but you were just not listening and you missed that exit, and he's trying to recalculate and reroute you, and you are still talking. Do you know you'll still miss it? So the same process that would have avoided, helped you to avoid getting lost in the, same, in the first place is the process that will help to get you on the right path. Amen. So with God, and in fact, the way God does it, God is a God of restoration. The way God does it, restores it in such a way that you won't know that you, at the end of the day, you might not even know that you ever missed it. Or maybe if you know it will be to help others, to say, you know what, I've missed it many times too. And you know, sometimes in our lives, our lives are so complicated. So we may be all in this, we may be in this different categories all at once. So some parts of your life you have not heard at all. Some parts of your life um, you, are, you have not heard at all. And God is saying, take it, take it, take it. Keep quiet. Let me talk to you. Uh, you heard, and then some parts, other areas of your life, you heard in parts with her head, missed it, and now you are just going around in, in circles and wondering how to get out of that cycle. You know? And some parts of your life, you heard the what, but you didn't quite wait for the how. So you went to the wrong how. 
or you went with the wrong woo. And now you are stuck in business relationships with devils. And you're like, how do I get myself out of this? God is gracious. God is merciful. And God is a good God. He never leaves us stuck in our predicaments. So, wherever we may be in whatever area of our lives um, tonight, I know that God wants to meet us there. So let's rise up to our feet. And let's talk to God for a few moments. Let's go ahead and talk to him. Oh, I've gone way beyond my time. But let's go ahead and talk to him. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-00640.